This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com slash star. Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, 7 months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good evening and welcome to Your Radio Doctor, the only all-medical talk radio show in the Philadelphia region. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. We thank our followers who formerly listened every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and now welcome new listeners to our new home at 5 o'clock on Saturday evenings. Tonight we begin our two-part series with an update on hypertension and the benefits of diet and exercise, and next week a discussion on cholesterol and the coronary calcium score. Joining us is Dr. Helene Glassberg, an Associate Professor of Medicine from the University of Pennsylvania. She's a cardiologist with an interest in preventive cardiology and sports cardiology. In her effort to prevent heart disease, she focuses on risk assessment, cholesterol management, and lifestyle modification. Dr. Glassberg lectures at the Perelman School of Medicine in Cardiovascular Physiology and teaches a diet and exercise class. She's published several papers on the effects of diet and exercise on vascular function, and she's been listed several times by America's Top Doctors and Philadelphia Magazine's Top Docs. Welcome, Helene, thanks for being here. Wow, thank you, Marianne. I appreciate the introduction. Well, we know that hypertension is the most common reason for office visits and for the use of chronic prescription meds. So how do we define hypertension? Let's start there. Yes, so before we even define hypertension, I thought it would be worth 30 seconds talking about what the blood pressure numbers mean. So that top number is defined as the systolic pressure. That's the pressure in the artery when the heart beats. That bottom number, that's the diastolic pressure. The diastolic pressure is when the artery or the heart is relaxing in between beats. So when you say 120 over 80, your systolic number is 120 and your diastolic number is 80. It's also important to know that your blood pressure normally rises and falls throughout the day. So sometimes I have patients come in and they bring this spreadsheet of 20 different readings throughout the day with concern for some of those blips, either low or high. It's important to recognize that those fluctuations can be normal. But if the blood pressure stays elevated, then this a persistent elevation in the blood pressure is the definition of hypertension. That's probably one of the clearest explanations I've ever heard about looking at the total chessboard. 
for hypertension or blood pressure readings. So I know, I remember from uh, school days that blood pressure is the, uh, what do you call it when you multiply? <laughs> the, the answer between uh, the, the, the vascular resistance multiplied by cardiac That's output. Correct. So how, mu how much blood the heart pumps per beat by how willing the arteries are to accept it. And that determines how much pressure's in that, that zone. Maybe, maybe that's uh, something you could explain a little better than I. Yeah, that's actually an equation that I try to bring up when we're rounding on patients because it gets to the core of where problems may la lie with either the peripheral arteries or the heart. So that's exactly right. The blood pressure equals the cardiac output, the pumping forward flow of the heart times multiplied by the systemic vascular resistance, the pressure it's got to beat against the pressure that it is built up by those arteries throughout the body. That's mm -hmm. exactly right. And, and we know that blood pressure reacts to uh, your genetic makeup, but also to the environment. And so many different um, elements can affect the way the heart's beating or what builds up the pressure inside those arteries. And for our listeners, they remember that the pulsating vessels you can feel in your wrist or your neck are the arteries that deliver the nice, fresh red blood that's full of oxygen and it sends it to your brain and heart and kidneys and everything so that those organs can function. And then the blood that's been used that needs more oxygen comes back through the veins. And uh, it's, it's a pretty fantastic system. I remember the, in seventh grade, we had to read the Fantastic Voyage and this, the uh, scientists get into a, a blood vessel and travel through the body. Pretty cool. Maybe we could do that. Yeah, I would love it. That's actually exactly how the circulation works, just how they taught it to you in middle school. So tell us, how does high blood pressure in layman's terms or hypertension, how does that lead to heart disease and stroke? Because that's the layman's, they're the layman's, well, our concerns as well. Yeah, of course. And it's all of our concerns. The the persistence of that elevated blood pressure, that high pressure that is constantly seen throughout the body when you have high blood pressure can cause damage to the arteries. And what that does is it worsens the elasticity or actually makes the arteries more stiff. Well, what happens when they get more stiff? It reduces the flow of blood and therefore oxygen to those important organs, particularly the heart, the brain, the kidneys, and the eyes. And when you see high pressure constantly pushing up against those organs, you can, for the heart, have angina or reduced blood flow causing chest pain. Heart failure, where the heart actually starts to fail and you get congestion and, and backup of fluid. Heart attack or myocardial infarction. Big worry for most people is stroke. And again, that's because the arteries can either be narrowed or blocked and cause a stroke that way, or that high pressure can cause those arteries to burst or leak and cause stroke by that mechanism. And it's interesting because you point out that the heart is pumping blood to all of its friends, the brain, the kidneys, and the heart pumps blood to itself. Heart blood leaves the inside of the heart and then feeds the arteries that sit on the outside of the heart, and there the arteries get blocked, causing heart attack. But what's interesting too is we talked about so many factors play a role in normal blood pressure, elevated or low pressure. One of those is the kidney contributes to blood pressure, but in reverse, we just said, the heart supplies fresh blood to the kidneys. Can we talk a little about that? 
Yeah, that's right. So the heart muscle is working for itself, but the harder it has to work, the more stress you're putting on it. So as I explain it to patients sometimes, imagine if you sat in your chair and had to lift a pencil a hundred times a day, what would happen to your bicep? Not much, you'd keep lifting that pencil a hundred times a day. But what if you had to pick up your chair a hundred times a day? Your bicep would get big and maybe eventually after that 99th pull, it would feel weak or it would put stress on it. You might get pain. So that undue stress that the heart has to do to pump not only to those other organs but to itself can cause it to fail or demand more oxygen and not get it and cause heart attack or heart failure. And then the kidneys, while they're the big regulator of blood pressure, when they don't see that normal flow because of high blood pressure, they try to regulate things and sometimes that makes things go awry. Well said. And so as students, and for many years, we got concerned when we saw the systolic or that upper number go to 140 or higher and the lower number go to 90 or higher. But uh, in 2017, the major heart societies like the American College of Cardiology, American Heart Association, they set up new guidelines. Let's talk about that. Yeah, that's right. So the American College of Cardiology re revamped their guidelines uh, to revise the definition for what's considered a normal, normal blood pressure and what's considered high. And that's because it's based on the epidemiology. It's based on the studies that we know what pressures, what blood pressures translate into these increased risks of heart attack and stroke, et cetera. So normal blood pressure is 120 for your systolic number or less, and 80 or less for the diastolic number. Stage one or pre-hypertension is 130 to 139 for the systolic, over 80 to 89 for the diastolic, and what we define as stage two hypertension is 140 or greater for the top number and 90 or greater for the bottom number. I guess the parallel is hemoglobin A1C. We had we spent about four weeks going over all the facets of diabetes that people really appreciated hearing. And one of those was, we used to wait till somebody was defined with diabetes. Now we're starting to treat with metformin, am I right? For those people who are pre-diabetic, because we know that the eye changes, the kidney damage, they start, they start smoldering at those lower levels. And it's, I guess, comparable here. We're, gonna, we're not gonna wait till we get to 140 or 90. We're gonna say, let's start to do something once you get over 130 and once you get over 80, am I right? Yeah, that's the perfect corollary. Start early, get ahead of this, and prevent. So if we start earlier, drop the, drop the parameters with which we're gonna start treatment, we're likely to get ahead of this and, and be more preventative. So I, I love that you referenced uh, a person being good enough to bring in a spreadsheet of all their pressures. Home monitoring or readings at home really help to eliminate a couple of um, deceptive factors like the white coat syndrome and the other one is mass hypertension. We have a minute that we could get started talking about those two issues. Yeah, I, you know, I found this twist to the uh, definition of hypertension an interesting one because I think we all kind of struggle with this. What do you mean blood pressure? Hypertension is defined by what happens what you measure at home. Doesn't the doctor do it better than I do it at home? Kind of a funny twist on the story, but truth be told, um, the home readings correlate more closely with the result of, of daytime measurements, whether it be through what you get 
on a on a cuff that you might buy in the pharmacy or on Amazon and measure yourself, or an ambulatory blood pressure monitor, one where we can put on and monitor 24-7 what your readings are throughout your day. And we know that these are, are better at making the diagnosis of hypertension, whereas in the office, what we measure is helping detect the onset of hypertension. Mm -hmm. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back because this is a very important point we should continue. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. Hi, I'm Dr. Denny Carice, Chief Science Officer at Recovery Centers of America, and I'm here as your addiction expert. So a lot of people ask me, Denny, what is fentanyl? And what are these things called analogs? Is fentanyl heroin? Fentanyl is not heroin, but it's an opioid like heroin and like carfentanil, the other analogs. So all the opioids, we compare all of them to morphine, the first and organic opioid. Now heroin is about two to five times stronger than morphine and fentanyl can be 50 to 100 times stronger. We have that big range there because it's illicitly manufactured fentanyl, it's not pharmaceutical fentanyl. Now, carfentanil is another one people hear about. There's only one accepted legitimate use of carfentanil, and that's in veterinary sciences, and that's to sedate large animals like African elephants. There's no really legitimate use or no reason why that would have any human use whatsoever because carfentanil can be up to 10,000 times stronger than morphine. Now let's go on to the analogs. An analog is when you look at this molecular structure of something and you add a little molecule or you move a little molecule over here, but it has the same effect. So if you take fentanyl and you move a little molecule, you now have an analog. Same thing with carfentanil. The problem with those are that they didn't exist yesterday. So something that didn't exist yesterday that a street chemist makes is not illegal. So what used to happen is that we had to identify it, find it on the street, give it a name, test it, identify the molecular structure, and then push it through the DEA. Well, in 2018, the law changed that said anything that has a very similar molecular structure, like fentanyl or carfentanil, that is an analog, is automatically illegal. So that was really helpful, but it does expire October 22nd in this year, so we really need to fight to extend that law to continue out, because we don't want people getting fentanyl, carfentanil, or any of the analogs. And by the way, there's about 1,400 identified analogs out there. So the big problem is that when somebody laces heroin or even fentanyl with carfentanil or the other analogs, it's very likely the person will have an overdose death and we don't want that happening to our kids. If you or a loved one has a problem with alcohol or drugs, call 1-888-RECOVERY today or go to recoverycentersofamerica.com. We answer the phone and admit patients 24-7. That number again is 1-888-RECOVERY. I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com star. Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. 
excruciating pain brought on by your son, daughter, or spouse suffering from addiction. You are not alone. If you call Recovery Centers of America today at 1-888-RECOVERY, your whole family can begin to recover. At Recovery Centers of America at Devon and Lighthouse, your loved one will be treated with care by expert addiction professionals, while family programming will give you support and healing so that you can recover as well. RCA accepts insurance, provides transportation, and offers intervention services. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. And welcome back to your radio doctor. Our guest this evening is Dr. Helene Glassberg from the University of Penn. Helene, we were talking about really getting a, a, a broader look at a person's blood pressure levels before you decide to label a person as having hypertension or certainly before you treat it. So we talked about the white coat syndrome and masked hypertension. Can we talk about those a little for our listeners? Yeah, so white coat hypertension is sort of exactly like it sounds. It's what happens when you see the white coat. So it's a consistent elevation in your blood pressure reading at the office, but not what you're getting at home. And opposite to that, masked hypertension is when it's consistently elevated at home, but doesn't meet the criteria for hypertension when you go to the doctor's office and the reading they get in there. So what might those levels be? Just about 130 or just a little bit over 130? Yeah, that's about right. So it's still the s- similar criteria, but it's a matter of distinguishing where you're getting those me- measurements. And I'm sure people's blood pressures vary when they're asleep versus awake. And I, you average all those. How many? I guess how many people monitor their blood pressure while they're asleep? Yeah, um, while not terribly practi- practical and something we use often, the 24-hour ambulatory blood pressure monitor, which I sometimes do actually order and have people wear does give us a beautiful representation of just that. So it gives you a 24-hour monitoring, gives you the mean blood pressure throughout that 24-hour period, and importantly, it tells us about the daytime or awake pressure, the mean pressure during the day, and what it is during sleep. So sometimes I do use that when I can't get a good handle on what we're really getting at home. So again, I like your distinction. When, when you're having a routine office visit with your primary doc, they might detect your elevated blood pressure, but the actual diagnosis and what we move on is a combination of all these factors that you mentioned and watching it over a, a you know a period of time. So is there a proper way to check a blood pressure? Because uh, oftentimes we'll be in the office and uh, the nurse will take a blood pressure and we'll recheck it. And it doesn't mean one person has done it correctly or the other incorrectly, but I'm sure that cuff size matters and different things. Let's talk about that. That's exactly right. What you ate, what you drank, are you nervous? Cuff size. So cuff size is actually really important. While there's generally a standard medium-sized cuff for smaller arms or larger arms, there are both larger and smaller cuffs. So you want to make sure not only is the cuff size proper, but also that it's wrapped properly around. And if you look at the cuffs, they're marked so that you properly wrap it around the arm so it's not too loose or too tight. The patient or the person who's checking their own blood pressure should be seated preferably with five minutes of rest, with their back and their arms supported and their legs on the ground uncrossed. And these are actually important factors in appropriately measuring your blood pressure. And I like that you say the cuff is marked because you can't just ballpark and say, oh, this looks tight to begin with because I'm heavier or I'm thinner and it's loose. There's a marking that tells you where the edge should meet and that helps to determine whether it's right or wrong. But the other thing is I know that um, we stress with our students and residents, always take the blood pressure in both arms. Let's talk about that a little. 
Uh, yes, I always repeat that myself. So it is really important because while there is an acceptable difference uh, between the two arms and there can be some minor difference, you A, want to take the higher number as the value that you're going to document. So the higher, the higher blood pressure, whichever side that may be, is the blood pressure you're looking at. Um, but it can also be the identification of some vascular disease. So if someone has a narrowing in one of their arteries, the one that goes to their arm, uh, that that side might have a lower, falsely lower blood pressure reading, and you can actually make the diagnosis of a problem of sorts by checking both arms. And I would guess certain heart diseases could ch change, alter the blood pressure readings in the uh, either side as well. And then we often, I guess depending on the situation, we check a person's blood pressure in two positions, lying down, well, ideally three positions, lying, sitting, and standing, because that can tell us if somebody's underhydrated, dehydrated, or or has vascular issues as well, yes? Yeah, so you might, your doctor might not do that on a routine basis. Sure. I can't say I always check postural blood pressures, but certainly for someone who's older or if someone who comes in with symptoms of dizziness, I feel dizzy, I feel weak, especially when I get up in the morning, or they have diabetes or Parkinson's or um, their medications seem to be affecting things. Postural changes can occur that are dramatic. So while lying down, and then standing up, you see a significant drop in the blood pressure that would be called postural hypotension. Mm -hmm. And I know we've started, we've alluded to some of the risk factors because a person could have primary hypertension or it can be secondary to other medications or factors. Let's talk about the, the risk factors for primary hypertension. Yeah, so while the cause of primary hypertension remains pretty poorly understood and is very likely a combination of both genetic and environmental factors, we do know that there are certain risk factors that are identifiable. So certainly with advancing age, we see more hypertension. So older folks tend to get more hypertension, particularly systolic hypertension. Overweight and obesity correlate strongly with uh, hypertension and flipping that around, losing weight can actually improve your blood pressure control. Family history is a really important one and especially when I see folks at young ages with new hypertension, uh, one of the most important questions to ask is what's the family history? So family history poses about a two-fold increase in the risk wow. of hypertension. So it's a pretty important one. Um, wow. And race, um, so we see that our African-American uh, uh, patients tend to have more common, more commonly have hypertension, tends to be more severe, and occurs at young ages. So we want to pay attention to these risk factors. And as you say, um, weight is a, a factor, but you're, we're going to talk a little bit later about those things we can modify. You can't change your genes or, or what your childhood was, but exercise is such a great non-tapped resource. Exercise can improve your blood sugars or improve your blood pressure even if you don't lose weight. And uh, that, that's important too. I guess physical inactivity can be a factor in high blood pressure. Yeah, it's always hard to separate out. We call it the fit or fat debate because <laughs> it's really hard to separate out which weighs in more, but literally. Um, but but we do know that it, it does look like whether you're talking about diabetes or cholesterol or high blood pressure, for every category that you look at subjects, 
weight. Physical activity has its own independent beneficial effect. So even if you're overweight and need to lose some, but you're fit, you can definitely improve your, your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about uh, restricting salt if necessary. Let's talk about alcohol because we did a whole show on just the dangers of excess alcohol uh, and it bumps the risk for multiple cancers, et cetera. But how does that, or we don't, maybe not know, that's certainly a factor that can bump your pressure too, yeah? Yes, it, it really is. And while we talk a lot about the potential antioxidant benefits of a glass of wine and the French paradox and how it affects heart disease and maybe reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease, we do know that any alcohol can actually raise not only the risk of lots of diseases, like you mentioned, cancer, but hypertension. So we really do recommend that women restrict their alcohol intake to one alcoholic beverage a day, men two. What I never do is suggest to someone who doesn't drink any to start having that glass or two. Right, right. And how about some of the causes of secondary hypertension? Maybe things that cause temporary bump in your pressure and then we remove that factor like a medication or treatment. Yeah, so secondary hypertension uh, gets into a pretty complex category, but important on that list for people out there listening to know are medications. So don't forget to look at your medication list if you have either new or sudden onset hypertension. Things like overusing non-steroidals, excessively taking ibuprofen, uh, antidepressants, mm. oral contraceptives, steroids is a big one. Uh, you know, people are aware, can I take this cold medicine? It's the decongestants with the phenylephrine or the Sudafed that can uh, stimulate high blood pressure. There's a pretty long laundry list of medications, and I always tell people to talk with their pharmacist, particularly if they already have hypertension. And then the other secondary causes that we talk about are related to um, not essential or primary hypertension, but other organs that might be culprit to the hypertension, primarily kidney disease or renal vascular disease, sleep apnea, abnormalities of the aorta, and endocrine disorders. Mm -hmm. And I always routinely, especially when it's a new patient, I always check thyroid study, TSH, because that can play havoc in so many conditions in the GI tract, cardiovascular. We have about a minute left. At what age should a person begin having regular blood pressure checkups, or I guess routine physicals, but... Blood pressure in particular. Yeah, mm -hmm. so the, Amer the American College of Cardiology and Heart Association um, recommends that everyone over the age of 18 get evaluated for elevated blood pressure in the office and rechecked once yearly and surely, surely semi-annually if, if they either have risk factors or one of those readings were elevated or borderline. Mm -hmm. And the other thought I had was, is there a significance if the upper number, the systolic number is elevated versus the lower number, the diastolic. Yeah, we do see differences. And as I mentioned earlier, older folks can have higher systolic readings. Uh, we do use different numbers for parameters, but there, we see it can be more ominous if the lower number or the diastolic number is elevated in younger folks. And systolic hypertension we more often see in older folks. Mm -hmm. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Helene Glassberg from the University of Penn. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. 
Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no co-pays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com star. Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie. Colon cancer, number two cause of cancer death. Initial screening has been lowered from age 50 to 45 because numbers are rising in younger people. Join the Blue Lights campaign in March. Put a strand of blue lights on your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Send a photo of your lights or of you wearing blue to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Info at bluelightscampaign.com. Stop cancer. Get screened. When you have orthopedic issues, you need a physician who eats, sleeps, and breathes orthopedics. You need an exceptionally specialized Rothman Orthopedics physician. They not only specialize in orthopedics, each Rothman physician only focuses on one area of the body, which means you can have confidence that you can get past pain and be what you were. Schedule conveniently online at RothmanOrtho.com. That's RothmanOrtho.com. Are you in excruciating pain brought on by your son, daughter, or spouse suffering from addiction? You are not alone. If you call Recovery Centers of America today at 1-888-RECOVERY, your whole family can begin to recover. At Recovery Centers of America at Devon and Lighthouse, your loved one will be treated with care by expert addiction professionals, while family programming will give you support and healing so that you can recover as well. RCA accepts insurance, provides transportation, and offers intervention services. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. This is Emily Rubin, registered dietitian, here to present you with your nutrition tip of the week. March is National Nutrition Month. So what does that mean? Maybe that means it's time to change your diet or have find a healthier lifestyle, something that's going to make you feel better or help a disease. But who do you go to? Do you look at Instagram that may tell you about a super detox diet, a diet of shakes that are gluten-free that's going to change your life? I don't think so. Do you listen to your coworker telling you that, you know, eating um, gluten-free or avoiding dairy or a cleanse is going to help you? Not necessarily. And then there's also health coaches and nutritionists that might be providing nutritional information, but they're not necessarily accurate information. So what's the best choice? Come see a registered dietitian. A registered dietitian has the coursework and clinical rotations. They're accredited by academy. They pass a national exam, and they do continuing education to keep up their education and the current information. They use science-based research so we can be more confident on up-to-date and reliable information. And we also focus on diseases and nutrient deficiencies such as food sensitivities, supplements. We work with your physician as well to make sure to guide you with the best diet that is going to meet your disease state and your unique needs. My recommendation is to find a dietitian to be your coach, cheerleader, and most importantly, your advocate. To find one near you, you can either go on your health insurance. There's a list of 
participating dietitians, many are covered with very little copays. You could ask your doctor. There's plenty of dietitians like myself associated with your physician, or visit the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics website. This is Emily Rubin, registered dietitian, wrapping up your nutrition tip of the week. For more information, visit yourradiodoctor.com. Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. And we're back on Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Helene Glassberg from University of Pennsylvania. And our topic is high blood pressure, hypertension. And Helene, you have a special interest in prevention. Um, and I'd love to spend time talking about those factors that we can control. As we said, you can't choose your genes or what you ate you know, as a child, <laughs> but we can talk about things that we can control, like managing our weight, what we do eat now that we're adults and making our own choices, smoking and alcohol and exercise. So let's start with the DASH diet, if you want to talk about that, because my patients ask me that about that a lot. Yeah, so the DASH diet's a really important diet to know when you have hypertension, because it really can have a terrific impact on controlling the blood pressure. And most people think it's all about the sodium, and while the DASH diet does emphasize reducing your sodium intake, it's really a nice, balanced, healthy way to eat. It encourages people to eat more fruits, vegetables, and low-fat dairy foods, mm -hmm. cut back on the high-saturated-fat animal products, and eat more whole grains, fish, poultry, and nuts, and really limit the sodium. And it has a, a recommendation to go with a gradual approach. So you can make gradual changes. You start by limiting to 2,400 milligrams of sodium per day, which is about a teaspoon of salt. And then as your body adjusts, you continue to cut back, get back to 1,500 milligrams, or two-thirds of a teaspoon. Get back on the sodium, increase the potassium, lots of leafy greens, legumes, plant-based, low-fat diet. And for our listeners, DASH means, or it stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. And it does take effort. We have to read labels. I mean, salt is in so many things. It's in ketchup, it's in mustard, it's in, is it in mustard? I think so. <laughs> uh, it's in Coca-Cola. Oh, I just said name brand. Can we stop there, Frank? <laughs> Uh, it's in certain sodas. So uh, it does take effort, but as you say, it can really make a difference. So what about weight management? That's such a broad topic. We've had complete shows on obesity and, and its uh, negative effects. How do you counsel your patients about weight? Because it, you could spend your whole yeah. time doing that. It's so important. Yeah, and I could spend the rest of the talk on weight management because it's a tough yes. one, right? We're always t hearing about fad diets, and so what I really or 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 lifestyle, or I'm a traveler, or I'm a stay-at-home mom, or whatever it is that affects your your dietary habits really has to be taken into consideration. So I personally try to tailor my recommendations to the person I'm sitting across from. So I encourage almost everyone to try to target for a balanced diet that is predominantly plant-based. And the reason is the data is there. The data shows us that plant-based diets, high in leafy greens, fruits, vegetables, legumes, and the good fats. What are the good fats? Avocados, nuts, olive oil, low on the saturated fat animal product, which includes dairy and, and processed meats. These things, if we make those dietary changes, not only are we losing weight by cutting calories, but we're also 
eating cardiovascularly healthy. And as I, when I teach the, the medical students and they throw out all their fad ideas out at me, I say, don't forget, the candy bar diet is one where you can eat a candy bar of 280 calories, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that would put you in 800 calories caloric deficit daily. That's a almost two pound weight loss a week. But does that sound appropriate? So as a physician, I feel it's my duty to say it's just not cutting calories, it's weight loss done right. You gotta cut some calories and everybody's gotta cheat. So something balanced, you know, whatever your thing is. If it's pizza, it's one, maybe one to two slices every one to two weeks, not the whole pie, not every night. If it's chocolate, have a piece a day, dark chocolate preferably, not the whole bag, not the whole box. But then when you do cheat, don't forget what comes the day after. You pay the man. You either burn it off or take it out. And I also remind people that it can't be done with exercise alone. So exercise, while it's very important in cardiovascular health and in weight control, it's rarely done alone because all you need to do is drink one sports drink afterwards and you might have undone those 200 calories you burned. So you gotta get calorically deficit by both balancing weight, weight by cutting calories from your diet and burning them off with your exercise. And you bring up such important points that people throw around, but they don't stop to think about it. You can take resveratrol, that's the uh, antioxidant found in grape skins and berries and such, and people think, well, if I take enough of that, I'm good to go, or if I drink enough red wine, and we already said that the, the uh, cardiac society don't suggest you start drinking red wine to protect your heart. And the bigger picture, we did a whole show on the Mediterranean diet. The Mediterranean diet is great, but we have to add that exercise because if you live in Europe, you walk to work, you walk to the market. You can't just do the Mediterranean diet without moving your little feet. You got to do it. You got to get up, get up off of that thing. Yeah, right? I can't emphasize that enough. I think that balance is, and that's right. When you go to Europe, not only are they adhering to the Mediterranean diet, they're hopping on their bikes to go pick up those fruit yes. and vegetables at the market. Yes, thank you for letting me quote you, James Brown. Um, and so alcohol, you, we already talked about the safe level of alcohol consumption for so many reasons. And I think, unfortunately, what has happened, and this is just my personal opinion, I wonder, especially when I interview um, younger patients that come with reflux and such, and I'll say, do you drink alcohol? Or, you know, what is your diet? Like, oh, I'm, I'm so health conscious and I work out and all. Do you drink just one night a week? And I'll say, so like maybe four to six beers and a few shots, yeah. And they they think that because it's not drugs, it's the all-American brewskis. It's yeah. it's not that way. And and so we have to constantly remind people of the, um, I mean, life is, life is a balance. A little bit, nothing to excess, all those good things that people can construe from this. But exercise, again, you can lower your blood pressure and or your blood sugar levels even if you don't lose weight. Let's talk about exercise and what we know about that. Yeah, that's right. So uh, exercise alone can drop that top number, that systolic number, by anywhere from f five to eight points, and the lower number or the diastolic number by about four or five points. So you really can make an impact, especially if you're borderline. So exercise alone helps the, remember I said hypertension affects the blood vessels by making them stiff and less elastic, and they're less able to relax. Well, 
exercise is the ultimate treatment for that. It helps your arteries relax. And with relaxing your arteries, helping that nitric oxide mediated relaxation lowers the blood pressure. So exercise alone can lower your blood pressure and help your blood vessels directly. And I wanted to mention, you were talking earlier about um, making good choices with uh, dietary decisions. More and more centers have really well-trained uh, registered dietitians. In fact, uh, beginning soon on our show, we're going to have a weekly segment called Your Nutrition Tip by Emily Rubin. She is a superstar dietitian at Jefferson that we've worked with for years and really common sense suggestions. So for listeners, um, insurance now covers, uh, maybe not always, I can't say that for certain, but a lot more than you would think. And treat yourself to a visit to a dietitian who might think of things you wouldn't. It's just like rehabilitation when you've had a stroke or something. You go to somebody who's thought this through and they can save you steps because your one side is weaker. I'm getting off track, but see a dietitian, treat yourself. And, and we didn't really talk about smoking. I wonder what it is. How does that affect your blood pressure? Is it the, inf the inflammation, we're inhaling inflammatory agents, or is it the nicotine or the combination? How does that? It's all of the above. So nicotine certainly has a direct effect where it raises the blood pressure directly. Breathing in carbon monoxide decreases uh, how, how much oxygen you can deliver then in your blood. It, the inflammation makes your vessels more stiff and less able to relax. It promotes atherosclerosis or plaque buildup. Smoking is a really very dangerous risk factor for not just blood pressure, but all heart disease. And again, that bumps your risk for about uh, more than a dozen cancers as well. People think lung and the obvious, but we know it bumps the risk for colon and, and esophageal and so many commonly found cancers and uh, uh, secondhand smoke, all those things that we, that we concern ourselves with. And I, I even talk to patients who say, well, I just have a cigarette when I have a drink or I just have a cigarette you know, after dinner. Even one cigarette, why, why even bother? It's, it's still dangerous. Absolutely true. Even one cigarette, still dangerous. Um, and how about, we were talking about um, exercise. I think that if you can find a buddy to go out for a walk, it doesn't, we, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to the gym. It means being active. It means being in motion. At lunchtime, take a walk. You just said it. Be in motion. As I usually, you know, try to get on my soapbox for exercise when I talk to someone, I say it doesn't require the $120 running sneakers. It doesn't require the gym membership. Get up and move. The biggest leap you can get out of the category of well to unwell to well is by getting off the couch. Mm-hmm. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Helene Glassberg. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no co-pays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com star. 
Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie. Colon cancer, number two cause of cancer death. Initial screening has been lowered from age 50 to 45 because numbers are rising in younger people. Join the Blue Lights campaign in March. Put a strand of blue lights on your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Send a photo of your lights or of you wearing blue to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Info at bluelightscampaign.com. Stop cancer. Get screened. When you have joint pain, you need a physician who eats, sleeps, and breathes joints. Someone so focused on their specialty, they've written the book on it, literally. You need an exceptionally specialized physician from Rothman Orthopedics. They not only specialize in orthopedics, each Rothman physician only focuses on one area of the body, which means you can have confidence that you can get past the pain and be what you were. Schedule conveniently online at rothmanortho.com. Official orthopedic partner of the Eagles, Phillies and Sixers. And welcome back to our final segment on hypertension with Dr. Helene Glassberg from University of Penn. Helene, what three messages would you like our listeners to take away? So I'm going to steal the first one from the Heart Association because I like this one and it's, it's catchy. Know your numbers. So know your numbers implies, know your numbers meaning your risk factors. Know your blood pressure. What's your blood pressure? Are you 120 over 80? Are you 140 over 90? Know your cholesterol. Know the breakdown. What's your total cholesterol? What's your bad cholesterol, your LDL? What are your triglycerides and what is your good cholesterol, your HDL? Know your glucose. Are you diabetic? Are you pre-diabetic? and know your body mass index, or know your weight, and know these numbers, which can translate into what your cardiovascular risk really is. Very good point. My point number two um, is talk to your doctor. So as we were talking about hypertension and we were talking about uh, where the diagnosis is made versus where it's detected in the office, I think people uh, expect to get most of it delivered to them by their doctor. This information, the diagnosis, the treatment, here's your, here's your prescription, and don't ask many questions anymore. My point number two is talk to your doctor. What can I do? Another, I keep going back to when I teach the med students, but as I say to them, you know, when a patient comes in, we're not doing them a service if all you got to say to them is, you need to lose weight, because I think the bubble over their head is saying to us, uh, thanks, doc, I knew that yes. before I came in. Yes. So have a dialogue. So my point number two is have a dialogue with your doc. Go in there with your questions. What do I need to do that I can control to control my numbers, to control my risk, to improve my blood pressure? What diet do you recommend? How much salt is too much salt? talk to your doctor. And I guess my bullet point number three would be lifestyle matters. We kept going back to exercise and smoking and weight management. Lifestyle matters. And we tell people more than 50% of your risk of heart disease is controllable. You got this. You got this in your hands. So lifestyle really matters. And you mentioned the Heart Association. The American Heart Association is so well organized and for our listeners, if you have any websites that they could visit, I know it's heart.org. Am I right for a... You got it. 
Yes, www.heart.org. And the other is the CDC website. So cdc.gov has some really user-friendly uh, apps on it and links that bring you straight to hypertension, tobacco use, weight control. So they're, they're the two I actually often go to, heart.org and cdc.gov. And we're encouraging patients to ask their doctors if there's a dietitian at their hospital center, uh, especially if their insurance covers it. So tell us about Go Red for Women and the American right, Heart. Let, yeah. yeah, let me put in a plug for the American Heart Association because it's February and February yep. is Heart Month. Mm -hmm. And the Heart Association really goes wild in February for really being an advocate for health. And I, I really support these efforts because they, all their efforts are poured into not only awareness, awareness of your risk factors, that know your numbers thing, but also uh, they, they put out their initiatives to help people better their blood pressure control, quit smoking. Their efforts are directed at the community. So their language is always, you're not really helping anyone if you don't help the community. And to optimize heart health, we really need to address things like disparities of care and food deserts and food insecurity. And they talk about healthy eating habits with nutrition security. So I really wanna put my plug in for February's Heart Month, the Heart Association. And this month we represent Go Red for Women because the Go Red for Women camp campaign really leveled the playing field with that disparity where women who sometimes manifest their heart disease differently or don't address their risk factors are were really getting better at it. So go red for women, February is heart month. And a couple things, we are delighted to share that in another week, Dr. Helene Glassberg will be back and we're gonna talk about cholesterol, the, car, uh, the coronary calcium count, and maybe we could talk about how symptoms differ in men and women because that's so vitally important. The heart ball is April 7 at seven o'clock at the Met, uh, 858 North Broad Street. That's something that people can participate in. And we're very much looking forward to having you back. I know people really appreciated all that they learned from listening today. Thank you, Dr. Helene Glassberg from University of Penn. Thank you, Marianne, for having me here today. And now for your real champion. I call this segment, Climb Every Mountain. Mountain McGillivray, the father of eight children and the head coach for LaSalle University's women's basketball team. Talk to him for five minutes and you'll quickly realize that his mother chose the perfect name for him. In both of these roles, his philosophy is the same. Work as a team and the reward will be much greater than if you focus on yourself. Mountain played high school basketball, but when he was cut from the team as a junior, he became manager of the girls' basketball team at Archbishop Carroll High School. As a college student at Temple University, he returned to Carroll as an assistant coach. During his 13 years, it became one of the most successful prep programs in the country. His college career began as an assistant coach at the University of Vermont, where he brought his team to the NCAA tournament in his first year then helped raise the stats at University of New Hampshire for two seasons. But the big wins came at Quinnipiac, seven seasons with 20 wins each time and a trip to the Sweet 16 in 2017. For the past four years, he's continued to shine, now as head coach at LaSalle. His team greatly improved even in his first year with their best opening season since 2006. 
In his second year, the Lady Explorers doubled their overall wins, including victories over arch rivals. Previous head coaches credited much of their team's unprecedented successes to Mountain, who helped student-athletes develop both as people and players. One coach recalled that Mountain was constantly inspiring the girls to be the best they could be, bringing a strong sense of family to the team. It may sound trite to say, treat your family like a team and your team like family, but that winning formula describes Mountain's successful approach on the court and at home. In fact, with eight children, six of them girls, he has enough players for an entire team with a few extras as referees. It was just around Thanksgiving when Coach faced one of the toughest opponents of his career. He and his wife Grace noticed that their little two-year-old Emily looked pale. They took her to the ER and never expected the doctor to make a diagnosis of leukemia. Then, 19 days in the hospital through Christmas, birthday, New Year's Day, but Grace was grateful for the smallest steps of progress. Using an online journal, Grace posts updates on Emily's progress, celebrating every victory. Like her husband, Grace had a mother who gave her the perfect name. She faces adversity with Grace, sharing reflections that make us feel better as the readers. Emily is an active toddler who likes to climb and jump down, completely trusting that mommy or daddy will catch her. But when she's scared or unsure, she runs right to them for support. This reminds her mother Grace to trust God completely and turn to him continually instead of trying to figure things out on her own. Fortunately, Emily's been tolerating the chemotherapy well and has the type of leukemia with an excellent prognosis for a full recovery. Mountain has learned from his little girl to live in the moment. She doesn't stop and say, I'm sick and I could die. Instead, What's for dinner? Where are my toys? The message, there's no joy if you're constantly looking ahead. Enjoy life now. Things could go sideways for any of us at any time. Her seven older siblings are inspired by Emily, who's unfazed by her illness. Mountain and Grace were overwhelmed by the outpouring of support from family, friends, the basketball community. For two months, they didn't make one dinner. In the past, Mountain would hear of someone else's hardship, and his first instinct was to not bother the person suffering. Now, he's learned to reach out. Never pass up the opportunity to show you care, even if you can't do anything. Make a call, send a note. And with a very full plate, Mountain still finds time to raise funds to fight childhood cancer. Mountain embraces his vocation as a coach, leading his team at home and at school with the same directive. I bring my faith and trust in God, hoping that people see the Lord through me. And when facing an obstacle, you can choose to quit or choose to climb. If you work as a team, you'll understand the value of shared sacrifice. The reward is much greater when you put your community first instead of focusing on yourself. Give of yourself unselfishly and totally. Then you'll walk away as a winner in your family, your marriage, or on the court, regardless of the numbers on the scoreboard. We salute you, Mountain and Grace McGillivray, your real champions. Thank you for joining us every Saturday evening at 5 o'clock. Listen to all our shows again on yourradiodoctor.com. A special thank you to our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and for support from Recovery Centers of America and the Rothman Orthopedic Institute. Join the Blue Lights campaign in March, Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, Put a strand of blue lights on the door of your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Share the message that screening saves lives. 
Send a photo to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Invite a friend to listen. This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a safe and happy week and always here to remind you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no co-pays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com star. Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie. Colon cancer, number two cause of cancer death. Initial screening has been lowered from age 50 to 45 because numbers are rising in younger people. Join the Blue Lights campaign in March. Put a strand of blue lights on your home or business, a blue light on your porch. Send a photo of your lights or of you wearing blue to info at bluelightscampaign.com. Info at bluelightscampaign.com. Stop cancer. Get screened.